Excellent, excellent. Good morning. How is everybody? Good, good, good. It's good to see everybody. Happy Easter. Happy Easter. So, we just want to welcome you again to Chester Christian Church. Uh, we are glad that you are here with us. If you have a Bible, you want to go ahead and uh, open up to the Old Testament book of Isaiah. Isaiah. If you don't have a Bible, there should be a hardback black Bible in uh, the row in front of you, somewhere underneath the seat there. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, you can take that Bible and you can turn to page 600. 600 in that Bible. If you don't own a Bible, you can take that Bible. That's our gift to you. We would love for you to have it. Isaiah 53. I am going to be reading verses 3 through 12. 3 through 12. I believe it's on the screen as well, correct, Gary? I'll be reading from the ESV standard, so it may be a little bit different from the NIV. Uh, that you have if you're using the hardback black Bible. So, and just, I may take this jacket off. I, just so you guys know, if you're not regular here, um, I never wear a jacket. And uh, so just, this is proves that I do own one. I own one. And uh, I wear it maybe once or twice a year. So uh, anyways, I also own a tie. Um, but it was either the jacket or the tie. So you got the jacket this morning. <laughs> so I may end up taking this off before... It's all said and done. Probably will. Isaiah 53, starting at verse 3. This is what it says. He, uh, 53. Isaiah 53. Oh, never mind. It's not going to be on the screen. It's not going to be on the screen. Uh, I apologize. Isaiah 53, starting in verse 3. Uh, he, referring to Jesus, was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and as for his, as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people." And they made his grave with the wicked and with the rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will or the pleasure or the desire of the Lord to crush him. He, was put, he put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many, 
and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you. I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, for uh, today, Resurrection Sunday. God, it's uh, victory that we have uh, because of your son, Jesus. Victory over sin and death. Father, I just pray this morning that as we study this passage, as we continue to worship you through your word, God, as we exalt Jesus this morning, as we lift him up, I pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit that has already been moving this morning would just continue to move and just invade this space. Father, I pray that you will open our eyes and soften our hearts to, to receive this message, God, to, uh, to see Jesus for who he is and uh, to see ourselves in light of Jesus. And God, I pray that we would see our need for him. God, even if we are here and we have already put our faith and trust in him, I pray, God, that we would just continue to see how beautiful he is and that we just need to draw closer and that he needs to be our, our highest treasure. Father, we thank you for your grace and mercy. God, we thank you that you pursue us and that you love us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I grew up in the church, and so some of my fondest memories that I have are attending our church's sunrise service, much like the one we had uh, this morning, the community sunrise service. Uh, it, it's an awesome time. I can remember growing up and, and waking up early. Uh, that, that, necessarily, that part wasn't necessarily fun, waking up early. Uh, but I do remember waking up early and going to our sunrise service, followed by a delicious breakfast. Great times. But as a kid, I also remember the excitement and joy of painting and decorating eggs with my mom and my brother. How many of you guys have done that? Maybe with your kids, have you painted eggs already? Uh, maybe in the past you did, maybe you have this year. Uh, I, I also remember the fun of going out to our family's house in Giles County, which is southwest part of Virginia. It's almost in West Virginia, but it's not in West Virginia. Uh, but it's right there in the southwest part of Virginia, and we would go there after church on Easter Sunday, and we would hide uh, and find eggs with all of our cousins and relatives, and it was a, a lot of fun. It felt like hours uh, that we did that. It was probably only minutes. Uh, you know, as a kid, you feels like you're out there for hours, but it, but it was probably only minutes. And, of course, you can't forget about the Easter basket, right? Come on now. The Easter basket filled with... Candy and chocolate, right? And the best part uh, about getting the Easter basket was getting the, the chocolate bunny, right? How many of you guys uh, got chocolate bunnies for Easter? And I'm not talking about the, uh, the chocolate bunny that's hollow on the inside, right? If you got, the, if you got that bunny, you got ripped off, okay? <laughs> I'm just going to be honest with you. Because you can sit down, you can eat that, you can eat that bunny in one sitting. I'm talking about the, the pure chocolate thick, you know, just, it, you got chunks, right? You got to eat it, eat it in chunks, and uh, man, I, I can remember those, and uh, just being so ecstatic, and um, it, it was awesome, it was awesome, it was, it was pure bliss, it was, it was also pure sugar, uh, but that's all right, right? I, I found a picture of me and my brother on Easter Sunday with our baskets that I want to share. Go ahead and pop up that, that, that right there is, uh, I want to say that's probably 1982, uh, I would have been five, my brother would have been about nine, and uh, you see the, the, the pure bliss, right? You see the excitement, you see the joy, and I don't know if you can see down inside my basket, right? You see that chocolate bunny there? 
right? That's why I'm so excited because I got, I got the real deal there. I didn't get the, the knockoff um, bunny. And so, but I mean, you just see the joy and the excitement there. Uh, I think there's another picture there it's, uh, around Easter time. That's our family there, my mom, my brother, and me. Uh, probably right around the same time, 1981, 82. I see I had a suit, I had a jacket on back then. Look at that. Uh, <laughs> I was, yeah, yeah. Hey, listen, it's fun and it's exciting. You can take those pictures off now, Gary, thanks. <laughs> as fun, as fun and as exciting as that was as a kid, right, now I get to experience the other side of it, right? I get to experience a different kind of joy and excitement because now I have kids of my own. I have three kids. Uh, two of them are kind of old enough to understand uh, what's happening. And it's just awesome to be able to watch their faces uh, gleam with, with, with excitement on, on Easter Sunday, man, to, to get their baskets and, and do egg hunts and color eggs. And I don't know if there's anything that brings more delight and joy uh, than seeing our kids be excited, right? I mean, it's a gift from God to, to be able to enjoy your kids and to see the joy and excitement uh, in, in their face and how happy they get. Now, what if I told you this morning that this wonderful message of Easter the message that God sent his son, one and only son, to earth to dwell among us to, in the flesh and to ultimately go to the cross to rescue us from sin and death is connected to the delight and pleasure in the heart of God. I mean, that's what it says in verse 10 of our text. If you were following along with us, it says, Yet it was the will, some translations say pleasure, some say delight, it was the, the pleasure and delight of the Lord to crush his son and put him to grief. So, so the question that I want us to, to ask and answer this morning is, what could be so powerful, what could be so motivating in the heart of God that he would be willing to even find delight in subjecting his son to this horrible, horrible death? Now listen, I don't know how familiar you are with Roman crucifixion, but it was an absolutely horrible and dreaded way to die. And I'm not going to get graphic with you this morning, uh, but if you've seen Passion of the Christ, the Mel Gibson's Passion of the Christ, you kind of get a, a taste or a glimpse of what Jesus went through. I mean, just the scourging alone was enough to kill a man. We didn't read it in the text, but if you jump back a few verses, back to chapter 52, verse 14, it says that as many were astonished at you, his appearance was so marred beyond human semblance. Like you couldn't recognize Jesus. He had been beaten so bad. That's, that was just a scourging part of it, right? He wasn't even recognizable. Jesus was pierced, right? He was nailed to a cross, hands and feet, usually resulting and the victims suffocating to death. That's what would happen on the cross, right? When they're on the cross, they'd have to kind of raise themselves up to kind of get a breath. And eventually what would happen is, is, is victims would just suffocate in their own blood. And that's how they died. And just for good measure, what the Romans would do was to make sure that their victims were dead is they would usually take a spear and shove it through the victim's heart, which is what happened to Jesus. And Isaiah makes Jesus' death explicit in this text, Isaiah 53. And that's really important, and I'll tell you why that's important. Because there are a lot of people today who doubt the validity of Jesus' death and resurrection. 
They, they say it didn't happen, it was a hoax. They believe, in, they believe in Jesus. They say Jesus was a real person. They believe in the historical Jesus, but, but Jesus, he, he, he did not die, or if he did die, he did not resurrect from the dead. And so why this is important is Isaiah is writing 700 years before Jesus even comes onto the scene in the flesh. And the point is, is this is not written by Christians after Jesus is coming, trying to make up an elaborate Good Friday and Easter story, right? To get all people geeked out, you know, and excited about this. Because after verse 7 of Isaiah 53, he says, uh, he was like a lamb led to the slaughter. Verse 8 says that the slaughter was successful. It says, by oppression and judgment he was taken away, and as for his generation who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living. Verse 9 makes the death clear by referring to his burial. And they made his grave with the wicked and with the rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. He died and he was buried. And finally in verse 12 it says, Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death. It's very, I mean, Isaiah makes it explicit. He, he, he died 700 years before Jesus ever comes in the flesh. Why, though? Why, why did Jesus have to die? Why, why did God find delight and pleasure in crushing his son on the cross? The answer to that question is not only the central message of this text, but it is the central message of the entire Bible. I mean, if you're here this morning and you've ever asked, what is the essence of Christianity? What is the heart? What is the center of it all? Here is the answer. Verses 4 through 6. Look at what it says. It says, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Verse 5 says, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. Verse 6, the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. Verse 8, stricken for the transgression of my people. Verse 11, he shall bear their iniquities. Verse 12, he bore the sins of many. Do you see a pattern of what's happening here? This is the essence of Christianity. This is the heart of the gospel good news message. Why did Jesus die? Because of our sins. The beginning of verse 6 describes all of humanity. It says, All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. This is the story of every single person who has ever lived and ever will live. It says, All we, like sheep. And the Bible often compares God's people to sheep when describing the human condition because sheep have a tendency to wander. They have a tendency to wander. Sheep are vulnerable when they are lost and they have no sense of direction. They're unable to find their way home. If a sheep wanders, which they, they have a tendency to do from the flock, you know, they, 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 they're vulnerable to, to danger, they're vulnerable to predators, they're exposed, they, they, they're not going to be able to find their way home. And so we, like sheep, we have gone astray. We have wandered from God. God is our shepherd and we are like sheep. We have wandered away from God. It's not a wandering. We have willfully disobeyed, right? We, we cannot help ourselves. We are lost. Now, I thought we'd have a little fun this morning. And so I've asked a few people to, to help me out with the sermon this morning. You guys okay with that? If I 
bring some volunteers up on the stage. All right, I'm going to take the jacket off because it's about to get real. Just kidding. <laughs> Come on up here, boys. All right. If you've been with us uh, for, for a long time, if, if this is your first time here, uh, I, I've done this uh, in the past. Uh, actually, no, not you, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. You can stay up here if you want to. Uh, <laughs> actually, Josh, uh, James, I'm going to have you uh, sit, sit just for a second because I, I don't need you quite yet, okay? All right. So this is James, everybody. Everybody say hi, James. Uh, this is Jacob. Everybody say hi, Jacob. This is Josh. Everybody say hi, Josh. All right, so here is, uh, here's the deal. Uh, Jacob, you get to play God this morning, okay? Very cool, very cool. Uh, and you, my friend, uh, get the raw end of the deal. You get to play us, okay? All right, so <laughs> that's not so bad, though, is it, okay? And so th- this is the story of us all. Ba- basically what happens is, is God creates everything that we see around us. God created everything uh, he spoke everything to existence. Uh, God created us in his own image. God created us to, to live for him, to worship him, uh, to uh, glorify him in everything that we do. God created us uh, so that we would have relationship with him. So I know this might be awkward, guys, but I need you to get close, okay? Um, maybe I should have brought a, a girl up on stage. I don't know. Uh, but anyways... So, so God created us to have this relationship with him, and, uh, and so we, we walked with God in the garden, everything was great, everything was good, uh, but then it says that we have turned, right? We have turned from God in this relationship. It's willful disobedience. We, uh, we made a choice. This is not uh, uh, some, somebody made us do it. Uh, this wasn't uh, uh, because of the environment that we're in, right? We don't sin because of our environment. Right? I've got three boys. I've got two of them. Again, like I said, they kind of know what's going on. And I can tell you right now that Jude and Shepard both uh, have not lied. They, they lie, but they didn't do it because of their environment. Okay? They, they lie because they're sinners. Right? That's their nature. Right? Because of sin, our nature is, 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 is sinful. Right? That, that's, that's the way it is. Um, and, and the effects of sin, the, the Bible says uh, sin, so we sinned. We turn from God, and what this means is, is we, we, we then are separated from God, right? And the effects of sin are sorrow, right? We got sorrow now. We've got grief. Everybody see grief here, okay? Uh, this is not in the text, but I added it because it's a part of it. We got shame, okay? All these different things are a result of sin, okay? We, we've separated from God. Uh, God cannot be around sin, We've lost this relationship that we had with God because we willfully turned from Him. And, and this is what I love about the Word of God. Uh, I love this because the Word of God is going to shoot us straight about our condition. It's not going to uh, sugarcoat things. It's not going to dress it up and make it look prettier than what it really is. The Word of God is like a mirror, right? When you look into a mirror, you see yourself for who you are, right? You can't cover that up. I guess you can if you want, but, but you know, it's still there. Right? The mirror is honest with you. You see your flaws and all. That's the way it is with the Word of God. When you open up the Word of God and you look at it, it's like a mirror. It shows you flaws and all. We are lost. We are broken. Romans 3.23 says that all have sinned, every single person. We have sinned and we have fallen short of the glory of God. 
Our sin separates us from God, which means we're lost. Our sin separates us from God because he is holy and he is righteous in all his ways. Holiness means that, uh, that, that God is set apart from, from that which is unclean, right? And we are, we are unclean, right? We, we are dirty. We have sinned. Holiness has everything to do with who God is and what sets God apart from us and makes him different from us. And because of our sin and rebellion, the Bible says that we are at war with God. And so in the beginning, when God created us, we, had, we once had peace with God, right? So get back over there. Get back over there. When God created us, we had peace with God, right? When we sinned, that peace was gone. The Bible says we are at war with God. Is everybody seeing that? Everybody make sense? Everybody see that? All right. So that's what happens, man. We are enemies. Isaiah 59, 2 says that, that your sins have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear, right? So our, you, see, you get the picture here. You see what's happened, right? Our sin separates us from our creator. That's not a good thing. But not only does our sin separate us from God, but look, our, our sin makes us guilty, right? We are guilty, before God. We are guilty of trying to take the throne from God and rule our own lives. And whenever someone is declared guilty, there has to be a debt that must be paid. There is judgment that has to happen. Romans 6.23 says that the wages of sin is death. This is separation from God. There's death involved. It's eternal punishment in hell separated from God our Creator. And there's nothing we can do about this. Aren't you, glad, aren't you guys glad you came this morning, Easter Sunday? Happy Easter, everybody. We can't fix our sin problem. Can't be good enough. You can't go to church enough. You can't do enough good things. You're just, we're lost. We're, we're not just down. We are out. The Bible describes us as weak and helpless. Like there's no pulling ourselves up by our own bootstraps here. The fallen nature, our fallen nature makes this really, really, really bad news. And so the only solution to our rebellion against God is Jesus. Enter James. Enter James. All right? Jesus. The good news of the gospel, hear me on this, the good news of the gospel is that in the midst of our rebellion, okay, in the midst of of our willful disobedience, turning away from God, God moves towards us. God initiates his love towards us. That is the message of the Bible right here. This is the, this is the entire message of the Bible. God initiates, he moves towards us. Why did Jesus have to die and suffer? Because of love. Because God was not willing to leave us in our condemned and guilty state. And so he sent Jesus to pay the penalty for our sins. Jesus is our sin bearer. He is our substitute. Look at the language. Look back at the language in verse 4 and 5. All right, I want you to see this. It says, surely he has borne our grief. Surely, uh, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. You see that he, our, he, he was crushed for our iniquities. He took our punishment that brought our peace. With his wounds, we are healed. 
Right? We talked about this last week. If you were here, this is the principle of substitution. When Jesus was on the cross dying a criminal's death, he wasn't dying for his sins. Jesus was not dying for his sins. He was dying for my sins and for your sins. Verse 7 and 8 tell us that Jesus was oppressed. That talks about the injustice that happened. Jesus uh, suffered injustice, human injustice, because he was innocent. He didn't do anything wrong. He was put to death as an innocent man. He was like a lamb led to the slaughter, and he was silent. Jesus lived a life that we couldn't. He obeyed perfectly. He was without blemish, and therefore he was the acceptable sacrifice on our behalf. So on the cross, so get this, you got to see this, man. So this is what I want you to do, okay? Stand a little further over here. Put your arms out like you're on the cross. You guys got to see this. Is, this is exactly how it happened here, okay? So as you're standing there, I want you to, can you, here, let's, all right. So this is what happens, man. While Jesus is on the cross, and he's paying the penalty for our sins, can you guys see? Hold on a second. I want you guys to get this, man. All right? There we go. All right. I want you to start passing everything over. Right? Put it in his hands there. Jesus took our guilt. Jesus took our shame. Jesus took our grief. He took our everything. He took our sorrow. He took our sin. Okay? Jesus took all these things on the cross in our place. He was, he is our substitute. And because of that, check this out. While Jesus was on the cross, right, the full wrath of God towards sin, towards our sin, was poured out on Jesus on our behalf. That, that's, that is the principle of substitution. That is what Jesus did for us on the cross. He became our guilt offering. He absorbed the full wrath of God. Jesus took our place. He took our sins, right? He was judged in our place. This is the principle of substitution. This is, this is the gospel. This is the good news that through Jesus we can now get this. Are you ready? We have the righteousness of Jesus, right? So, so we give, Jesus takes all of this from us and Jesus gives us his righteousness and therefore he reconciles us to God and through Jesus we can now have peace with God restored. Amen? I mean, that's, that's the gospel. That is the gospel and, in a nutshell. That, that's, that is the beautiful picture of what God has done for us through Jesus Christ. Check this out. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake he made him who knew no sin, who was perfect, to be sin on our behalf, so that in him we might have the righteousness, the righteousness of God. Romans uh, 5.8 says, but God demonstrates his own love for us that while we were still sinners, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I mean, that, that is good news. Amen? Amen. You guys give these, these, these guys a hand. Thank you. Thanks. You guys are good. You guys did good. You're done. Excellent. You guys might have a future in acting. Listen, that's, that's the only way. That's the only way it could happen. That's the only way it could happen. In order for us 
in order for us to be reconciled to God, the only way we could be in his presence was for Jesus to die in our place. There was, there was no, no other way. That we couldn't earn our way to God. We couldn't do enough of anything. We were condemned to die, and therefore Jesus had to die in our place. And the reality of this morning is that there may be some of you here this morning and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. Right? You're still living your life as if you are your own Savior. And I'm going to tell you something, man. You make a crummy Savior. You make a crummy God. You can't do it. Or, or may, maybe you're here and for whatever reason you came this morning, uh, I, I want you to know, man, that God is pursuing you. That God is pursuing you. He desires to have that relationship with you. He sent his son for it so that you can be reconciled back to him. And then there's some of you here this morning that maybe you've put your faith and trust in, in Jesus and what he did for you, but you're still walking in that guilt and that shame that Jesus took on the cross. Right? You're still walking in some of that because you're thinking to yourself, man, there's no way that God could ever forgive me for what I've done. Some of the things that I've, that I've done in my life, there's no way that God could ever forgive me. And I just want you to know, man, the Word of God says that all of your sins, past, present, future, have been nailed to the cross. When Jesus was on the cross, he absorbed the full wrath of God for your sins. It wasn't just some of it. It was all of it. So it doesn't matter what you've done. You, you, you can be set free from that. You don't have to live in guilt and shame anymore. You can let go of that. It can be forgiven. You can be made righteous in God's sight because of Jesus Christ. Now, how do we know this? How do we know this? Because of the resurrection, right? Because of the resurrection of Jesus. At least three times, Isaiah tells us that the sacrifice that Jesus made in dying results in a resurrection triumph. It's towards the end of the passage that we read, but in verse 10 it says, When his soul makes an offering of guilt, which he did, he shall see his offspring. And that it refers to those of us who have put our trust and faith in Jesus for salvation, right? The Bible says that we are children of God. We have the Holy Spirit of God living in us. Listen to me, re resurrection isn't just uh, a future hope. It's not something that we, it is a future hope, right? We do look forward to the time where we get to go to heaven and be with God in heaven and with Jesus in heaven forever, for eternity. But it's not just that, right? Listen to me, resurrection is a present reality. It's, it's for you today. It's here now, right? Your life can be changed and transformed today through Jesus Christ, right? That's what that means. It says he shall prolong his days. In other words, death has been defeated. Right? You, 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 we were going to live forever in eternity. And finally, in verse 11, it says, Out of the anguish of his soul he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant Jesus, make many to be accounted righteous. That, he's talking about being justified there. You see, you see God, God's delight his pleasure was not necessarily in those particular moments where Jesus was on the cross and he was suffering. But, but rather what the suffering would result in. See, his delight, his pleasure was in the fact that his righteous one, his servant, his suffering servant, Jesus, 
was a guilt offering. And that through the death of one, many will be made righteous. Many will be justified. That's, that's what he's saying there in verse 11. Right? Jesus became uh, to, to be a guilt offering that would finally satisfy God's anger and wrath towards sin. He justifies the many. All those who would trust in him. Right? If you would trust him, then you are declared righteous before God. God did for us what we could never do on our own. Now, he did for us what we could never earn or deserve. It was grace. That's the good news of the gospel this morning. My question to you is, are you one of his children? Are you one of his children? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. God, we thank you for man, your, 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 your love, God, that drove Jesus to the cross on our behalf. God, we thank you for the way that you pursue us. Father, I know, man, that it's so easy for us to get distracted. It's so easy for us to forget. It's so easy for us to, to just not allow this, this good news to just kind of think, man, we've heard this before, and we know about it, God. And It's so easy for us to just kind of just not allow it to, to sink down into our hearts, God, and really, really grasp, really understand what you have done for us through Jesus. Father, I just pray now that as we come to a time of response, if there's somebody here that, that has not put their faith and trust in you, God, if they've never, if they've never said, you know what, God, I, I've been trying to, to do things on my own, I've been trying to, to be my own savior, and I'm just, I'm horrible at it. And God, I need to surrender my life to you, and I need to repent of my sins, I need to confess Jesus as Lord. God, I pray that if there's somebody here this morning, I pray that they, they would do that. I pray, God, that they would become one of your children this morning. They would be declared righteous because of Jesus. Father, I pray that if there's somebody here this morning that's just continuing to walk in that guilt and shame, God, I pray that they would just believe the gospel. God, that you love them. You can't, you can't love them any more than what you love them right now. So God, I pray that they would understand that. I pray that they would, they would hear that. God, that you would just set them free. God, we, we, we have victory this morning because of Jesus and the resurrection. Death has been defeated. Sin has been defeated. We are triumphant. We thank you and praise you. So we're going to stand and sing this song this, uh, this morning, and we're going to have prayer team members that are available. If you're here and you just need some prayer, you need some encouragement, they would love to pray with you this morning. And uh, if you're here this morning and you just need to say, I, I need to put my faith and trust in Jesus, I'll be up front. I'd love to talk to you about that. But please don't, uh, don't just grasp the back of the chair and hold on to it and be like, I don't want to go up there. I don't want to get prayed for. I don't want to talk. Don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't, don't say anything, man. I wonder what people are going to think. This is Easter Sunday, right? I got to get home and, and get my baskets ready, right? That, 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 could, that could wait, you know? This is the most important thing. The most important thing. So let's sing together.